Gus Van Sant, director of Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, and you are listening to Film Wax Radio. Hey everybody, this is Adam Chartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio, and you're listening to episode number 511. On this episode, we have two guests, two different segments, uh, which is not untypical for this podcast, but we have two different guests. We have, in the first segment, a friend of the podcast... And returning to the show, uh, we have a director, uh, writer, uh, Ronaldo Marcus Green is back. Let's see. He has a new film. It's called Monsters and Men. Uh, he, he, it's opening uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday, September 28th in theaters. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ronaldo was last on, wow, in January of 2016. So it's been like two and a half years or more. Since Ronaldo was on episode 332 of the podcast, he was joined in that segment back then with uh, Pavel Vizhensky and Christopher Bell. Um, we talked about Cinemascope, which is uh, Pavel's online streaming service. Ronaldo had a short ep- uh, that he had made back in 2014, which was at Sundance. It's called Stop, and uh, he is back with this feature film. Monsters and Men. We'll talk about that in a minute. The other guest on the show is Melanie Mayron. When I saw that uh, Melanie Mayron had a new film which was going to be available on demand, I uh, reached out because I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I remember being as a kid seeing her on lots of stuff, uh, including Harry and Tonto, that movie with where she and Art Carney were, uh, you know, had this wonderful chemistry. You got to see that movie. Uh, Harry and Tonto. It's such a fantastic film. Uh, R. Carney is like, you know, a widow, I believe, and he, widower, I believe, and he he goes out on the road uh, and takes his cat with him, and he he gets on the bus, and he's thrown off the bus, and he has to hitchhike and find his way across country, and he meets a young, like, hippie girl played by Melanie Miron. Oh, it was such a great movie. She was also in a film called Girlfriends, which is pretty seminal. Uh, I mean, it's a very obscure film. It came out in the late 70s. It was directed by Claudia Weil, or Claudia Weil, who I, I don't remember seeing her other films by her, but she uh, was, uh, a, again, a young woman in that. And then shortly after that, she was cast in uh, 30-something, where I think she became a much more recognizable face. Uh, at some point in the last bunch of years, Melanie has turned her, direct, her, her, turned her attention to directing. She's done a ton of television. She's done a few films. Uh, this new one is called Snapshots. You can watch it on iTunes, um, and, and we'll get to that later in this episode. Uh, right now, we're going to talk to Rinaldo Marcus Green. The movie is, again, as I mentioned before, opening tomorrow, Friday, September 28th, in uh, various cities. In New York, it's going to be, I know, at the, uh, at the Dr- Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, as well as at the uh, Angelica. And I believe it's at the Landmark in L.A. Just check uh, the website. Do a search for Monsters and Men or go to uh, the Neon uh, Distributors website, I assume. Or to probably Monsters and Men Facebook page. The film was uh, an award winner at Sundance where it premiered. It was also at TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, just uh, days ago. Let's see how to describe. We're going to talk about it in general, but here is the log line as it exists. When a young father witnesses the police shooting of an unarmed black man, the tight-knit community of Bed-Stuy is pushed to the brink in Ronaldo Marcus Green's Sundance award-winning portrait of race, family, and consequence. The film also stars Anthony Ramos, Kelvin Harrison Jr., John David Washington, uh, Shante Adams, Rob Morgan, and uh, a number of other fine actors. Ronaldo wrote and directed it. It was shot by Patrick Scola and edited by Justin Chan and Scott Cummings. Music composed by Chris Bowers. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to go to my conversation with the filmmaker, 
Ronaldo Marcus Green here on Film Wax Radio. You ready? Let's count together. One, two, three. Whoa! Six. Let's go. Getting cold over here. Six, baby. Let's get it. Is there nothing better to do on a Monday night? Sir, step back, please. I'm back. All right, sir. Just step back, please. I'm right there. Walk right there. Right now, walk right home anyway. Right. 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 This organization has seen quite a bit of you, and we really like you. And I believe 100% you're going to go in the first round. You know, I feel like everywhere I go, I'm reminded of what happens. What's happening about that shooting? And if he wasn't resisting arrest, he'd still be here. Yes. So if I resist arrest, you're going to shoot me? I know what you think you saw. Starting trouble now, do a disservice to everybody. One cop goes too far, and now we're all guilty? Is that what you're saying? Larson is just this month's All right, let me just hear you talk. Adam, how are you? I'm fine, and you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You had a premiere last night? We did. Where was that? In Brooklyn? Uh, where? Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn Bam Harvey Theater. Oh, that's a nice place. Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the arches, the, the yeah. historic feeling of the place. It's right. like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> I like this. It. It's kind of a stadium seating, if I remember. Right? Yeah, yes, right? the stadium seating. Yeah. And, you have, and yeah, it just feels like you're in this amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. yeah, just a beautiful. Yeah, a nice turnout. Yeah, it was actually, you know, for a rainy day in New York, I was like, oh, man, this is, uh, uh-huh. this is tough. But, yeah. Where did they get the, where did they get the, uh, how did they get the word out? Is it all, like, kind of just connections? It's all it by invite, pre, invitation? It was a pre-screener. Is that what it is? Um, so we had it. It was basically mm-hmm. for our cast and crew. And I then I think right. they sold yeah. a certain amount of tickets to the to the general population. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they do that. They, they, like, release some tickets for, to kind of create some. Yeah, no problem. Me too, actually. Um... Yeah, I think they, you know, obviously they want, uh, we, we didn't have a, we didn't have a New York City uh, festival, um, oh, right. you know, because, you know, we had been invited to a couple of prestigious festivals, but because of when they, mm-hmm. um, when they are on the timeline we were releasing in the fall, it didn't, it didn't right. make sense for the release strategy. So I see. unfortunately like, we weren't able to. Off mic, was it like Cinema Fest? Uh, Cinema we Fest? were, it was. Um, Did you get invited uh, to that? Uh, Tribeca uh-huh. and um, New Directors New Films oh um, we were supposed to be the closing night perfect. first the opening night then the closing night really that would have been so nice I it mean I, amazing. nothing it's wrong like with a, being a trip it's, it's like you know it's, and Lincoln Center hello it was amazing but yeah. we, you know they you know it yeah. wasn't my decision you right. know, so. well the good thing about New Directors is that you, you know they do take often like second features too yeah this was your first feature right? it was our then. first feature and so mm-hmm. you know and then of course New York Film Festival I think there was a talk, you know, yeah, maybe, there but, was mumbles but about New that. York Film Festival really takes like super high end, prestigious kind of, yeah, you know, those sure. kind of world so world cinema, best of world cinema, yeah, right? And, you know, and been, not to I, say that you know, listen, we, we didn't get in. So, <laughs> but new directors, I love that festival, yeah. And I'm and I've discovered so many great filmmakers mm-hmm. through that. Just going to that after year after year, yeah. I love going to that. It's interesting. I go to the New York Film Festival kind of as a an industry person. Mm. That's how I feel when I'm going to them, like I'm doing my due diligence and all, seeing these films, and I and it's so much fun. But when I go to new directors, I'm really going as a fan. Yeah, you know, as yeah. like a movie lover, mm. like because I discover so much in that yeah. one, and it's always so good, you know. Mm. So I think that would be a great place, like if your next feature should work out, because they go usually through the first or second feature. Mm. By the third one, very rare. But they, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> Speaking of the New York Film Festival, I, I just saw yesterday at the P&I screening uh, the new Barry Jenkins. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, saw, so I saw an early cut of the film, of Barry's film. Oh, yeah? yeah? How did you Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a talented, talented individual and yeah. just, just a kind person. He's kind of so. a poet of a filmmaker. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. He's doing he's something that's... Like, I love how he's going to say, you know what, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch this and you're going to like it. And, and, and with, with well, your friends with him or and control and and uh-huh. you know there's so much attention to to detail in the color the color palette the score you know where I'm like I'm failing in certain areas you know but I'm you know I, my, my filmmaking is is, is is you know it's like okay I'm gonna focus on this you know make this so good and then have other folks help me out in these areas where he, it just feels like you know so specific 
um, that you know I, I, I've been learning a lot from from watching him and you know kind of be a master of the craft. Right. Well, you know, an aesthetic is a very much a uh, you know subjective thing, and your aesthetic and his aesthetic are are coming from different places in a way, at least so far. I mean. <laughs> He's on. What is this? His third feature now, or fourth? Third feature, yeah. Third. I feature. mean, he's comes. I mean, you think about how the trajectory of three in three films where he's gotten to, you know, on the plat- world platform and within three features or an Oscar within mm-hmm. two, it's pretty pretty. You know, it's a, one thing. But you're doing something that I mean, your film Monsters and Men is is coming almost from a more of a documentary style approach, and oh. it's fa- it, you know, it's like fast and. You know, um, edgy and um, raw, as you 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 describe it, I think. And uh, so, you know, that's 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 the right for that story yeah. and that storytelling. You know, is it gives it an immediacy mm. that that's uh, very effective. You know, so yeah. I, no, uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, I was glad to see it, and they're showing it at the Apollo. They're having a screening yes. of of. Uh, Bill Street could talk at the Apollo Theater, so that, I would love to have gone to that, but I I didn't know if I would be able to it'd be first of all to get into it, which is you know, and then secondly if I could make it work with my schedule. So I just said, see this while you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, but I got to see uh, finally Monsters and Men too, which yeah. is terrific. Um, and congratulations! Thank you so that. much. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a long time. We did an episode way back. Yeah, Kinoscope. Kinescope episode, right, with Pavel, and uh, I I think it's like one of my most downloaded episodes. Wow, the Kinescope, the one we did. Oh wow, yeah. I don't know. I would look back, and it's like got this tremendous number, of like compared to most episodes. I was like, what is it about its market? It must be a Ronaldo, rather. A, uh, must I don't be. know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But uh, they'll download this one. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I didn't realize is your brother made. Gun Hill Road. Yes, Rashad. He's the reason Rashad. I'm. Uh, I ever decided to become a filmmaker. Yeah. Why? What, what? What is it other than the fact that it was your brother that made this film? He, he, what, what do you, why do you say that it was? A, well, you know, I was working at Wall Street on the t- at the time, um, and you know, I had a brother that went to. You know, he had gone to NYU for for acting school for drama, and then went back for film. And when he went to film, of course, you know, you're part of his, his coursework was to make these short films and so what do you do when you have no money you employ your family you know so yeah. he would you know hey Ray can you come wrangle cables mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm right. you know, working a regular job but on the weekends yeah. I'm helping him make his first MOS and, and then he's you know put me in a couple of short films as an actor and one of the sh- one of the first shorts that he did uh, uh, with me as an actor went to Sundance so I was the lead actor in this short film called Choices that went to Sundance in 2009. Now, I didn't really know what Sundance was. And, you know, I get there, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. This is, the, this is, this my, is your introduction. That's this funny. is my introduction. So I had a brother that was doing it. And, and then, of course, you know, two years later, he came back to Sundance with his first feature, Gunnell Road, Isai Morales, Judy Reyes, um, Harmony Santana. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is, this is amazing now. At the time, I had a really good job. I had paid off my undergraduate student yeah, loan. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I went through a breakup, and mm-hmm. then I was like, well, what am I doing with my life? You mm-hmm. know, maybe my brother and I can make films like that. We could be the Green Brothers. That would be, that's pretty special. So I thought I would produce, you know, my brother was already writing, directing, was not thinking about, like, yeah. directing at all. Just like, you know, I, I can leverage my, my Wall Street relationships and help my brother, you know, either finance his movies or, mm-hmm. you know, write and help him make some other movies. But you know, NYU is a writing directing program. So anyway, you slice it. Like I had to make films as a, as a writer director, even though I was producing on the side. And, um, one of the first films I did my second year film, which is the big film at NYU went to Cannes in competition. And, and that really changed the course of, you know, even, even in how I thought about it, you know, the university was like, you know, you're a director, right? And I was like, uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and then it was like, you know, I mean, yeah. Talking to my brother, you know, I was like, yeah, He's like, bro, you want to direct it? I was like, I think it's happening. You know, it was like this yeah. sort of gravitational pull. You know, it wasn't it was you know, of course, and you know, and still you don't want to support each other and do that thing. But it just you know, all of a sudden it started. You know, it was a path. You know, and then I made stop um, right. that, that short film in two thousand and fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. And Which I think is how we met originally. Like I, I think we met. Uh, I remember meeting you. 
which I don't know why it was uh, must have just been one of those things, but it was at a rooftop films event or party, okay. yeah. and it was on a rooftop. <laughs> And I, you must have been. Was it the stop at rooftop that season? Yes, is that it was. It was. Sense? It was. And then we we were. We got a grant, we got a grant yeah. uh, for the feature version, which basically Monsters and Men is the feature version of Stop. And we got uh, the grant that. towards yeah. towards Monsters and Men, which was great. Right. Well, Stop is about stop and frisk. Uh, yeah, I could see how you could say this is sort of an expansion of that idea, and you were making it in the amidst Black Lives Matters. Yeah, uh, the, the short was sort of a response to the Trayvon Martin decision to yeah. acquit uh, George Zimmerman. And that, you know, yes. that was, the short was sort of born out of that. And then, you know, the world changed after that yeah. moment, you know. And then you have Eric Garner, Philando Castile, right. Walter Scott, Tamir Rice. You have so many other cases. Sandra it Bland. It would be every, every other week. It seemed yeah, like it, there was another so one. So it seemed. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and down the line, there, there's been, you know, so many others. Um, you know, and then also, the, and then you had the, the the response to that to the police officers in Baton Rouge, and 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 all this stuff that was happening here here in New York, and I was like, what do you do with that? You know, since the time making my short, you have all this stuff yeah, that's happening. Right. You know, so you know, it somehow informed how the, how the feature was going to take shape and how I discussed sort of sort of all the things that were happening. I meant to watch Stop Again. I remember seeing it years ago, and. Uh, I already do remember. I have like moments in that I can even bring up right now in my head. But um, was it more just? It was kind of more clear cut in this. I shouldn't use that word, but it was more. You have to condense things. It's a short. So in that one, about a young man who stopped at a park, right? Like yeah, walking he's home, walking home, walking home, and gets stopped, and gets stopped. by the right. NYPD. And he had, no, there's no immediate ed- reason why. There's yeah. no threat. There's no. So that one, it's pretty kind of clear where you're standing. You're on the side of this young yeah. guy. Now, in Monsters and Men, you take multiple pre- uh, sort of perspectives, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it follows three different characters. Yeah. It's a triptych, right? So, but the perspective is kind of emerges as almost one unified thing, which is, you know, there's no heroes or villains in this or clear-cut heroes and villains? Yeah. Would you say that's true? I would say it's true. Yeah, no I would say it's true. I would say villain it's, in this. Uh, it's gray, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that we perceive on both sides uh, about mm-hmm. what's right or wrong, mm-hmm. and the line is, is not so black and white. Um, so to speak. So to speak. You know, <laughs> and so certain times, you know, well, this, the, the feature mm-hmm. version, you know, was born out of that short film. In the short, I cast a New York City police officer. He's a friend of yeah. mine. We grew up together. In Staten Island. In Staten Island. Yeah. And then we went to Sundance with that short. He stayed with me in the cottage. So Back I at my, Sundance. NY, I was rooming with a, with a police officer who's in my short film. Yeah. And then we just started talking about the Eric Garner case in Staten right. Island. We're both from Staten Island. And so what I thought was a clear-cut video, I see a video... I look at that video of Eric Garner and I see a guy that should be alive. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. But he just saw it differently. He was like, Ray, it's unfortunate that he's dead, but he's, he was resisting arrest. Right. And so, and then of course, I was like, well, just because he's resisting, does, you know, we went, and, you know, by the end of the conversation, I mean, it was pretty heated. Like, we were like yeah. at each other's throats. Wow. And, and, but in a positive way, we were just really like, you know, just heated in like, Passion. Trying in passion, it was yeah. like Brian. I, you know, I, tell me, tell me, tell me what I'm supposed to be seeing here. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, it was everything that wasn't on the tape. It was like what I face every day, wearing the uniform and all this stuff. And what I realized was like this sort of baggage, this mm-hmm. thing that was coming with something that you know, with the uniform. You mm-hmm. know, with it's it's not just my baggage, right. maybe a bad word, but but it's a culture. It, it, it was more than just three minutes of a tape. Yeah, you know of how we got to that situation. Not right. to say it's right or wrong or how, but like his point of view was, you know, you got to look at more than three minutes. Yeah. It's sort of like, what's out of the frame? What's out of the frame? Yeah. Interesting way. And of that's how we it. kind of filmed yeah. the movie. Right. Well, oh, sort absolutely. of out of the frame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Cause he, you know, your, your, your cop is an, uh, which is one of the characters that we're mentioning perspective wise is an African American. Yeah, John right. David Washington play, uh, plays Dennis. Who people will also know from Black Klansman. He's the lead in that, which, yeah. by the way, completely. 
I did not put those two together till I was reading, you know, doing my research. But it's like that that's the same guy. <laughs> and it just didn't <laughs> occur to me at first. Like, of course, they, his look is so dramatically different. <laughs> but that's called acting, right? Yeah. Anyway, he's in a tough spot. You know, he's uh, in, in a, I don't want to say it's a no win, but he is definitely in this spot where he has to defend his uniform and uh, his his colleagues mm. and his rationale. He has to create a rationale for just being a cop now, you know, and, you know, a couple of generations back didn't deal with that, mm. you know, anyway. Uh, and then he's got a partner who's a lot more conservative in her views, yeah. a white female, mm. which is interesting casting. Right. And, um, you know, so wherever he happens to be, he, you know, it's a very different, he has to have these different kind of conversations if he's home with friends yeah. you know all of a sudden he's put in this very different position of having to defend the cops and then if he's with his partner he's kind of defending the victim yeah. the Eric Garner character mm -hmm. that, that kind of is the catalyst for mm -hmm. this, the, your story mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning there's a guy standing outside of a uh, bodega selling Lucy's mm -hmm. right and um, there's a cops show up and there's a, a an incident when then he's killed mm -hmm. the the uh the the, uh, the guy standing outside the store and um and one of your other characters he's videotaping the whole thing yeah yeah Ma uh, manny played by anthony ramos R from uh hamilton yeah from right? hamilton and, then, and, and yeah. Yeah. yeah uh he was in a, he's in the star is born and upcoming oh, godzilla yeah, yeah he's well, his, uh, she's got a habit spike lee series so yeah he's so, he's yeah. gone on the tear in the last well, year i'm sure he'll get some work eventually yeah be, <laughs> <laughs> all your guys are like uh these uh rising stars anyhow i just wanted to also squeeze in a little bit of the synopsis there your third character since we're talking about it is a young high school kid yes right played by uh kelvin harrison jr why'd you go with that well i was a, i was a, an athlete growing up mm -hmm. um and a lot of this sort of mentality even on the police force comes a lot from sort of sports you know it's a does it there's a lot of the similarities you know in in sort of sports culture you know if you play for a team you know, you do anything to make that team win. Even if you have that kid on your team, you don't really appreciate his values, and you think, like, man, he's... The allegiance. Whatever. The, the allegiance. The allegiance to the uniform is more yeah. important than the allegiance to one player. Yes, right. And so you... And it's, I'm sure it's the same in, in the Army. You know, mm -hmm. you're fighting for your country. But, like, there's people you can't stand who are in your barracks. And so you have this weird thing where you, like, we, we're on the same team. We are, you know we're all going to bleed red, but like we go in our different places and we don't really understand mm. each other or value each other, mm. but we're all playing for the same team. And I, and I, I always felt that growing up playing competitive sports was you just have to do what you have to do to win. But, you know, I grew up in Staten Island predominantly, you know, especially baseball, it was predominant all white teams and we'd play against, you know, Latino teams or all black teams. And my teammates would, like say racist and vile things like against those kids that we were playing and I'm like wait those kids those kids are my brothers <laughs> you yeah, know like yeah, that's yeah. my like on the other side of that fence but it's like well what team am I playing for it's not like I can take off my jersey and walk away because then I'm walking away from the game mm -hmm. what's it you know and I think Dennis you know our police officers is, is, is a lot in that same situation it's like I'm I'm a police officer I became a police officer to protect my community I may not agree with what's happening but what do i do do i just yeah do i pack you know i'm i'm fighting for blue you know blue's the team i'm on so yeah. what am i going to do ultimately i'm thinking about my family <laughs> you know i'm thinking about going home at night mm -hmm. i'm thinking about the paycheck that i need to keep the roof over the head and there is a culture that i might be aware of but i'm a police officer it's it's a it's it's a difficult line to toe sometimes when when there's some deep rooted cultural things that need to be addressed, but you believe you actually believe in what you're doing mm -hmm. and you care about the cause. You know, yeah. you're you're a good person. You became a cop to do the right thing. I don't think anybody becomes a cop to do the wrong thing. But when you realize that, oh, whoa, there's some deep rooted systemic kind of, systemic kind of yeah. things, you're kind of caught. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, the uniform represents something sometimes that, you know, maybe is not 
a 360, you know, 360 sort of holistic view of how you, your own personal moral values. And so it's, it's, I think it's tricky. And a yeah. lot of people feel caught in the middle, especially people of color. The, this complicated relationship, you know, that, or uh, dynamic you're describing is, is really best summed up. There's a nice moment in, uh, early in the film where you've got these beat cops who end up doing a pickup game on basketball yeah. with some local kids yeah. on, on the, you know, just like there's that's where there's a real sense of community and where things seem to kind of work for a few minutes mm-hmm. there before yeah. things kind of fall apart. Um, and then I also wanted to remark that it's interesting as you brought up this third character, this young guy, you, in a sense, I don't know if you did this intentionally, but as you just described it, you inserted yourself into the film mm-hmm. by casting making this character mm. it seems like he's the closest to you yeah. maybe i don't know Absolutely maybe they're is. all close to you I, maybe on yeah. some level they're all you yeah. i mean you know they say everybody in your dream is is a really an extension of you yeah. you know so maybe likewise <laughs> <laughs> that's the case i don't know um but uh we should mention that the the name of the film again is called monsters and men monsters and men and it's being distributed by by neon, neon. and uh, and movie pass films uh, so if you're, you know, movie you pass movie, films, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I missed yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's a, it's a recent partnership. It happened within the last week or so. Wow. And they came on board, and uh, so if you have movie pass, um, you can go see Monsters and Men without it um, counting towards your monthly allotment. You know, they'll allow you to. Oh. You know, if you have three, yeah. You know, you can go see Monsters and Men outside of that three, and it won't count towards towards that. So it's, mm. it's cool. There, you know, terrific. listen, it's yeah. terrific. You know, listen, movie pass to go see. <laughs> Three movies for less than ten bucks a month. I mean, I, I don't, you know, yeah. I, I think it's a win for anybody that has it. Um, it's a great opportunity to see movies that you wouldn't typically see because it's so yeah. darn expensive. Or if you're a parent and you can't get out, it's like how yeah. do you? You right. can't afford the twenty six dollars, you know, tickets plus the popcorn and the soda. Right. You know, I becomes, wish people would take that mind frame. That, uh, you know, take get like for people that that know that essentially see mainstream films and I'm not there's no judgment around that word uh, but most people only know movies because of the advertising because that's you know there's a massive marketing budget and so they know they're familiar with these movies because they're on t- you know the trailers are available and the ads are out there and the bus buses and, and shelters and what whatnot right. and so they go see those movies I, w- I wish people would take this commit make a commitment to take the movie pass and use those for the wild cards yeah. go check out a film like monsters and men or like uh maybe the you know, bill street could talk in a few months when that or days when that comes out <laughs> i'm not sure exactly <laughs> i'm sure it's coming out very quickly actually uh, movies like this that uh, tell story, character, real tr- character-driven stories, mm. and that te- are really, um, you know, grappling with 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 uh, issues and and the zeitgeist, you know. That but 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 are really have real people, mm. like characters that feel like people we know, and and that are going to make us feel something uh, a deeper that will last longer. I mean, this sounds very simplistic, but it, it happens to be true. So I'm, I'm making a case. Take your movie pass. Go see uh, Monsters and Men <laughs> at the movie theater this weekend. Uh, you're gonna uh, at Neon, by the way, which you mentioned, which is the distributor, yeah. uh, is is uh, was founded uh, by the same person who founded Alamo Drafthouse. Yeah, yeah, the t- movie t- theater uh, chain. Tim League and, and, uh, who's been and, on the show. and Tom Quinn. And Tom Quinn. And Tom Quinn is uh, uh, yeah, Sony yeah. Uh, Sony Pictures originally. They 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 started Neon, and uh, it's also run. I think. Uh, in part by Jeff Deutschman, who's uh, yeah, Jeff Deutschman. been on the show as well. So it's a f- I've had on everybody here. Yeah, we've we got Tom. a great team over there. We're, yeah. we're really lucky to have Neon, their support. They're they're young and hungry, right. and and the marketing materials they put together look look fantastic. Yeah. You know, we've got great spots for a small film to to come up on NPR or to be, you know, played during the the you know National Football League, yeah. and you know, have banners in New York City. It's 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 uh, it's great to see, um, you know how deep their tentacles run. The film opens Friday, September 28th. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. This this Friday. So, yeah. Yeah, So, uh, where people see it? uh, It's playing at Alamo Draft House. It's going to be at Angelica. uh, Here uh, in Brooklyn, Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. Uh, Angelica. At the Angelica Film Center, which is now, I guess, a draft house. No, I'm kidding around. Uh, It's playing at an AMC here. Uh, It's playing at Landmark in L.A. Uh Um, So, yeah. And And how many other cities around? Yeah, I believe the the opening weekend, New York, L.A., Houston, Dallas, um, Philly, uh, a couple of of cities. Mm -hmm. 
San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so people can go out and, and see the film and support it. And you got a phone call the other day from somebody uh, I did. who was praising your film. He wanted to tell you how much he enjoyed it, right? It was crazy. So I, I'm, I'm on Facebook. You know, I go in for a meeting on, a, on another project that I'm attached to direct. It's, a, it's about Jack Johnson, um, a heavyweight black boxer sure. in the 20s. and um, and uh, 100 years ago. Yeah. And Scott <laughs> Free's producing an incoming call, mm-hmm. Ridley Scott, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on an intercom like this. Mm-hmm. And says, you know, Ray with a, you know, with his British accent, and and uh, hey, I'm calling from South Africa. You know, I saw your film, uh, fantastic, really impressive. Love John David Washington. The actors are great. I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you. Uh, I'll look forward to having dinner. You know, when I come back to to to, to L.A. Uh, or if I see you in in, in the U.K. And uh, yeah, just so sorry I couldn't be with you. Just wanted to tell you how, how much I appreciated your film. Take care. Wow, not bad, right? No. <laughs> I said, oh my was that goodness. a message, or did you chat with him? No, he no, it wasn't a message. It was like, oh, he, you, you know, I didn't get too many words in because he was calling. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. like the you know the intercom was kind of breaking up, and right. I was like, hey, hey, you know, it was just you know, what do you say? I was more yeah. listening than yeah. I was like, it was it was more of a comment, you know, than than a than a need for a response. It was like, thanks so much well, for watching of, yeah, the film. Not bad. You not know, do you want to tweet bad. about it? I don't you know. I don't know how to tell him the support, but you know, he he already supported by watching it and give me the confidence that. Uh, That's an amazing story. Uh, he calls me all the time because he can't figure out his DVR. <laughs> well, this has been terrific. Uh, let's not wait so long to for the next time. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a great Monsters and Men, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green. Go see it this weekend or this week if you can't make it this weekend. But uh, absolutely, September twenty eighth. Come out, New York, LA. Stand up. (laughs) You'll be in New York. I'm going to be at the Q and A's. Q and A's. Some of the cast will be there. Yeah. So you know, we're going to try to do it big in in, uh, New York and LA. I leave uh, for LA tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Be there at the landmark for the Q and A's, and then come right back here for the Angelica uh, Q and A's. And yeah. You know, just, just just grind. You know, just want people to see the film, have an emotional reaction to it, and you know, hopefully a positive one, and spread the love. Tell someone else to go see it. Bring someone. All right, take care. Thank you. Some cops showed up at the. Yeah, yeah. So we had a few police officers last night in the in the uh, in attendance, um, and you know, they got some hugs. You know, got some hugs. Thank you for making the film. You know, uh, yeah. powerful film. You know, in a more sensitive way, like what they have to, you know, yeah. grapple with. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. I want to get involved. Do what you do. So what do the police want with you? They want me to keep quiet. I saw the tape. So what, you're going to go blab about it? They're going to make an example out of you. What should I do? Just got a new job. I'm about to graduate. Everything's going to change if you just put this out there. Well, what would you do? What would you do if somebody twice your size is coming at you? He was surrounded by six or eight cops. Take seconds, Lisa. He's dead. Cities are gonna keep burning. Kids are gonna keep getting shot. You're under arrest. I didn't do nothing. And cops are gonna keep getting off. But you have a ticket out. You have no idea. You don't have a clue what goes on on the streets. You see three minutes of a shaky video and you think you know what you do. The now multiple award-winning feature film Snapshot stars the iconic Piper Laurie, who may, people may remember from both Carrie, you know, Brian Palma's Carrie, and The Hustler, also stars Brooke Adams from uh, Invasions of the Body Snatchers, Days of Heaven, Emily Baldoni, Emily Gross, Shannon Collis MacAdler, Britt Dyer, and Kathy DeBono. Snapshots three women, three generations, two summers, 50 years apart. Secrets revealed that changed their lives forever. With an old brownie camera and developed old film in hand, Patty and her daughter, Allison, arrive at Grand's. Lake House for their annual girls' weekend. Within that envelope lies a secret that shatters long-held images of the grandmother and mother they know and change their lives forever. 
Directed by Melanie Mayron, 30-something and Jane the Virgin, this intimate tapestry of life and love shows us how living with a secret can shatter the existence we cling to for safety. Uh, this is a film made almost entirely by women. It is a story and screenplay by Jan Milla Corin and co-written by Catherine Cortez. It's produced by Corin and Lee Ann Matusik. It is available now on iTunes and on cable on demand. Go to snapshotfilm.com to find out how you can watch the film, where, when, etc. But it is currently available, and I was so happy to uh, talk to Melanie Mayron, and I hope that we can get her back for an in-person. But here it is, my conversation with Ms. Mayron here on Film Wax Radio. Graham, I have a surprise for you. I went to the store downtown to try to get some film for it, but what do you know? There was already a role inside, undeveloped. So I had them develop it for you. I didn't look at it. Just in case it's you and Poppy doing something I wouldn't want to see. Don't talk to your grandmother like that, Ali. Oh, come on, Daddy. I wasn't always a widow in her 80s. <laughs> really, Mom. For the next three days, there'll be two forbidden topics. What ifs and politics, agreed? I'm in. Do you miss him? I do. He was my best friend. Yeah, I felt that way about Dad. I miss him every day. But I don't live in it like Mom does, you know? She's just so angry. I'm not sure if I love Mark anymore, Gran. I mean, I, I care about him and I love him, but I don't know if I'm in love with him. Does that make sense? It does. So, uh, good morning, or good afternoon to you, actually. Yeah, good, well, good morning here. I'm up in uh, Vancouver. Oh, are you? Yeah, where are you? I'm in New York. Oh, okay. Well, how much afternoon do you then, Adam? And you're obviously in Vancouver because you're shooting uh, something else. Yeah, yeah. I'm directing an episode of Charmed. Oh, okay. Uh, the reboot. Right. So I'm up here doing that. <laughs> well, that show certainly has a something of a history uh, on an on a all other level at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different episode of my podcast, too. <laughs> Right, right, right. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it was terrific to, uh, you know, for circumstances to lead me to uh, you. Naturally, I mean, I'm of the, uh, I've been around for a while, and I uh, certainly remember you from uh, lots of different wonderful uh, films and television, of course, 30-something, etc. And um, so I was really glad to see Snapshots. Oh, good. Yeah. I was actually trying to rush and just do one more sweep through your your directorial work. You're obviously doing a lot of t- a lot of television, correct? Yes. And how many how many features have you been able have you directed up to now? Well, you know, I did a couple. I did a few like uh, two hour movies. I did you know Toothless for the Wonderful World of Disney with Kirstie Alley. And right. I've done uh, a few others, but my first movie was The Babysitters Club for. Uh, Columbia. Right. And then I did a film for Constantine Films called, came out in America called She Gets What She Wants during Pipe Parabo, but uh, it was in Europe and all over the world called Slap Her, She's French. <laughs> what was it called? Slap Her, She's French. Okay. Interesting how they do that. And, uh, yeah, and, and so those were my two big movies, and then um, I got to do Snapshot. Yeah. I was actually at a, uh, just as a little aside... You know, my way to just connect with you a little bit. I was Last night, actually, I went up to Columbia University. There's a friend of mine who put together this retrospective for this independent, you know, this guy has been around as a distributor and producer for years. They kind of put it a retrospective together of all the films that he's touched. And one of them was this movie, Chilly Scenes of Winter. Do you remember that movie? By, uh, directed by uh, Joan. Yeah, Joan Nicklin-Silver. Nicklin-Silver. No. Yes, thank you. One of, the yeah. f- one of the few female directors, we should add, especially at that, t- at that time, anyway. In the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, and who could get a Hollywood movie put together? And uh, anyway, yeah. so they had this the panel. I mean, obviously John Hurd has passed away, but uh, uh, Peter Riegert was there, and uh, and uh, there's a number of people from the cast. But anyway, it was really it was yeah. it was true. But that's like one of these films whose names got changed. You're just you know it was put out there called Head Over Heels, and it was totally marketing wise just a disaster of an idea. 
and then they finally put it out uh-huh. under its original title, Chili Scenes of Winter, anyway. Uh, snapshots, I, I was really impressed. I Finally, after, I, I don't know, I, don't, I guess I don't see all the pipe of, um, uh, I, I don't see all of Piper Laurie's films, necessarily. Certainly, I've seen a bunch. But, I mean, I think everybody should see this film, if not just for her performance. You've got a performance from Piper Laurie that was terrific. I mean, she is very moving in this film. Yeah, she really is. It was it was so great when she agreed to do it. You know, I wanted somebody that was, you know, in their 80s, that was the right age, not somebody that was going to, you know, play older, you know what I mean? And and um, I just felt that it had to be cast right. And Piper really responded to the material. I was thrilled. Yeah. Thrilled to get to it. You know, she did a terrific job, really, really terrific one thing was funny she said she had more lines in this in this film than she had in her whole career wow is that true i mean well i'm sure she was exaggerating <laughs> she said she didn't talk much in the hustler i don't know it made me laugh it was just a funny, funny <laughs> comment and she and the irony is of course uh she shares the a lot i mean the screen time so does i mean i in a way with another actor playing the same role Right, her her younger yeah. self, her younger self in yeah, those. Shannon, Shannon Collis played her young. Yeah, so like I mean, I don't know if it's half the film, but it's a, certainly if it's not half, it's significant portion of the film is told through flashbacks. In fact, almost to almost to the degree where you don't even think about it as flashbacks, but kind of two alternating time frames in this film. Right, that's right. That's true. You know, I mean, flashbacks you sort of think of as isolated moments, but is the source of the film, which is written by Catherine Cortez. Jan, Jan Coran and, Jan. and Catherine Cortez, yeah. Jan Coran was the producer. Uh, that's how I had gotten the script. The true story based on Jan Coran, uh, one of the writers and producer of the movie, and she said that when her mother was dying, she suddenly said in the room, um, the love of my life is here. And Jan knew that you know, her father's been, she'd been, her mother'd been with her father for 15 years, so it was a surprise to her when she was talking to that. Yes, right. Uh, can you say that last part a little slower? I'm just kidding. I wanted to direct you. I just felt like I wanted okay. to. I just oh, want. Good. That's good. So you, you, <laughs> can, you can get paid for directing. <laughs> I can say that I direct. I just wanted to uh, have the experience of saying that I directed Melanie Mayron in uh, my podcast. I did. <laughs> That, that was you did, Adam. It was my, you can put that on your resume. <laughs> it was, I'm a bit. It's like a narcissist little fantasy come true for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like a real piece of piece of news to hear from your mom at 94. So this was more a um, apparently their their relationship was in the 1930s, and you know we we wanted to Dan wanted to bring it more up to up to. A different time period when actually things were more, you know, conservative and more repressed than they certainly were in the 1930s and the early 60s. Yeah, um, so I think it, right. it, it gave the movie a stronger thing because you know that it it's very feminist in a lot of ways. I mean, there's things in there like you know when they say a woman can't get a credit card and the husband died, she couldn't buy a house, she couldn't buy, you know, like things are brought up that I think are important to see in time. Just what it you know, it used to be like, as opposed to what it's like now. And we take it all for granted, women's uh, equality or almost equality, anyway. Yeah, near equality, right? Well, yeah. and it's in the context of that time, which there's not like an, you're trying to create some sort of agenda in, those, in, the, in the sections of the film that take place in the 60s, Mad Men era, I guess. Yeah. I guess now it's just right. called Mad Mad Men era is the shorthand nowadays, right? <laughs> for anything. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, yeah we, go? we go from 60 to 66, basically. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, 1960 to 66. So, by way of explanation, this is a, 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 a summer vacation at, at the grandma's uh, beach house. Or, right, is it? Yeah, lake house. Lake for house. The weekend. Lake one, house. Weekend, yeah. one weekend at the grandmother's house for like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, um, an old camera sound, and in it was the granddaughter brings 
an old camera of the grandmother that she found, and there had been a roll 50 years old of film, and she got it developed, didn't look at it, and gives it to the grandmother. So the grandmother starts looking at the pictures throughout the weekend, and there's a big memory of a lost love that comes back to her. And um, that's why we called it Snapshots. <laughs> I got it. I I figured that part out. <laughs> um, Good for you, Matt. I know. I'm very sharp. Uh-huh. Even though I couldn't quite get the recording started this uh, afternoon, but... Uh, you. <laughs> so anyway, the grand- granddaughter in the movie version of this uh, finds out uh, slowly. Well, first they don't... She and her mom, played by uh, Brooke Adams, and she is... Is, is, is this Brett Deer or Dyer? Young Brett, yeah, Brett, who's on Jane the Virgin. Oh, okay. She, uh, the, the three of them, the, these three women, are, are together uh, at the lake house, and, of course, the mother and the grandmother, uh, excuse me, the, the daughter and the granddaughter find out that the grandma has this uh, secret past of sorts. And not of sorts, she has a secret past, and she's finally... Revealing. Revealing late in the film, but first she goes through a, a, quite a bit of, of uh, remembering of these ghosts from her past, her, uh, a ghost from her past, which is this, the love of her life. And it's very moving when it when finally bubbles to the surface. That scene is um, very powerful. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at. Piper has that. Yeah, that, that scene was incredible. It was so well acted when, when we were shooting it, you know, and it was happening. There's a cameraman and myself and Linda, the first AD. We all looked at each other. We all had tears in our eyes. It was just really incredible. Piper did an amazing job. As did I. As did I. I was. What's that? Oh, I no, I had yeah. tear, I had tears in my eyes as well. You know. Oh it, boy. Yeah. So it's just like it goes to like when you have someone with that much no pun intended but gravitas. Uh, yeah. I, I say that because uh, the uh, at least the uh, streaming distribution is through Gravitas Ventures. But so leads to the next part of my questions which is about family secrets you know it seems to me the older i get the more i am less surprised by how many families have these secrets in their past you know mm-hmm. almost every family kind of does it seems like it you know i just discovered that being the case with my family um that that there it wasn't it was in my cousins but we're all very close but there was this huge family secret that was really a shocker because the even you know, my cousins didn't know, and um, they just discovered it in their fifties. Have you had experience like that? Or, I mean, no, personally, we haven't. <laughs> oh well, you're not. That's not. You have to make something up. Then you know, I need something okay. juicy. <laughs> well, it, yeah. Uh, well, a lot of families. Let's put it that way. You started, I think, to mention how this kind of got presented to you. This, this, this story, the screenplay. Did you have like a friendship or? Who who gave you the the screenplay uh, for this movie? Snapshot. Uh, one of the producers, Jan's producing partner, Leanne Matuzak. We were we were mm-hmm. um, trying to develop another project, and then she came to me and she said, "Listen, I want you to read this script." Jan wrote it, mm-hmm. and she said, "It's um, it's got final." I said, "What? Because you know, in the independent world, I mean." Oh, we all have scripts, you know, and we're all out there trying to raise money for them. Yes. And that can take years. And she told me, she says, we've got the money. I was like, you're kidding. Where'd you get the money from? It's like Jan raised it. So wow. I read it. And then um, we developed the story, you know, just to try to really make it a good movie for maybe another year and a half. And then and then we, we made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you shoot it? We shot in L.A. We shot in Encino mm-hmm. and Lake Malibu, which is in Agora Hills. And then we hired um, a, a guy with a drone to go out to Table Rock Lake and shoot um, some drone shots of the real the real lake in the lake area. Oh, where Jan grew up? Missouri, Missouri is the Ozarks, south side of St. Louis. Oh, I see, which is where uh, Jan's, where she grew up. Yeah, exactly. I see. Very good. You know, c- considering how close to her life this story is, what did she make? What did she make of the final uh, s- film? Oh, she was she was just thrilled. She was just thrilled. We we saw in the festivals. Uh, we went to some festivals, and 
Adam, people were so moved afterwards and so affected by the movie. I mean, it's it's a story of love, you know, and yeah, it really it really hit people. And one, so she was so proud of that, you know, that it could look. That's the beauty of being able to do something is to give people an experience and give them a different point of view and affect lives, you know. And I was what one thing I was surprised about was that men, a lot of men, were coming up to me and they were. They loved it, and and uh, you know, I thought that was terrific. Any particular age men, or just a kind of a all every More man. Older men. Well, the ones that came up to me were were middle aged or older men. Well, they probably had so a deep was... yeah. They probably had a deep crush on on Brooke Adams too. So to... oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure they, that was it. They grew, they grew up in that <laughs> age. Crushable for sure. <laughs> they were somewhat predisposed. Uh, this movie, you know, we did play a lot of mainstream festivals and LGBT because it crosses over. I mean, last year, Call Me By Your Name, you could call that an LGBT film, but it also, you know, won Best Picture and it was mainstream. Yeah. Because it's a story about love. And that's, that's what I felt about this. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, it's funny because I didn't think I was making an LGBT film. I, I what The one reason I, I mean, it, it, of course, that's, our huge audience, obviously. But what I liked about the movie was it was two married, two young married women mm-hmm. who were happily married with their husbands. And then all of a sudden, you know, something else happens. And and that, I thought that story hadn't been told because like the granddaughter, she's married. You know, it's like, it's like there's just, just how life can you think your life is going one way and there can be a surprise turn. But, um, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we're in the, you know, it's it's like you fall in love with the person. Yeah. And it, it makes a lot of sense in this day and age where we are grappling with this, um, gender versus, um, sexual orientation, not versus, but both of those issues uh, and the spectrum. And also and the, the term, you know, fluidity, you know, where yeah. you could be with a, fall in love with a man, fall in love with a woman, and fall in love with another man, or vice versa. It, it, the whole label thing is always, it, it's interesting how people want to peg people, and I never really liked that because I always thought life was a surprise in that area, and that was one thing I really loved about this film, mm-hmm. what it said. When you showed it to the um, some of the LGBTQ uh, festivals you mentioned you have, do, was there ever any, in the Q&As, did you encounter anybody who felt that you were skirting the issue of and diluting it at all? I don't, I mean, I, because, I mean, we've already said this is about falling in love with another person, but I wonder if anybody took umbrage at all like you were. Trying. No, I wasn't at many of those festivals, oh, okay. so I don't know, but I think it just it just was received. I know it was received very well by the community. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine, it's interesting, because I imagine some time ago, you the film, ironically, could have been kind of criticized for not being more straightforward, no no pun intended, but, uh, you know, it's just like, whereas now but we... That wasn't the, but that wasn't the story. Right. Yes. I get it. You know? Yeah, it wouldn't have been truthful to. I the... mean, I wasn't. I, it was. I was trying to sort of have a story for everybody, you know. And that was that was what was the point of 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 the story. That's what had happened. She said at one point her husband, who was her best friend, and then she said she was the love of my life. So it, it's yeah. just there can be many loves in a lifetime. Right. It's a very moving story. It's a romance story about romance and love and. Um relationships and it's an old-fashioned yeah. character story which is always a refreshing thing to see and it's called yeah. snapshots and it's uh i mean the at least for the general audience i guess knows piper laurie and uh brooke adams and uh again what the jane the virgin star <laughs> brett brett dyer dyer okay i didn't want to mispronounce her and it's currently, uh, uh, you can watch it, it's on uh, most streaming platforms, correct? I believe so. That's right, yes. So people can go from this listening to this conversation right to seeing the movie, if they so That's choose. exactly correct. <laughs> that, it's exactly correct and exactly the right thing to do. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
by the way, I don't know. Are you? Do you go on Twitter? Yeah. You're on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Do, do, do you, are you getting uh, the tweets from Ken Olin, your old friend from Thirty uh, Something? Because uh, he uh, is a really, uh, really uh, quite the Twitter activist. Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't been on recently, but I'll check it out. Well, you're busy. You're busy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he's getting anything else done, not to get off topic too much, but he, he's he's yeah. Well, he's running the show. This is us, so he, he's got his hands full. But right, Ken Ken Ken's got a lot to say. He always has <laughs> in a good way. Right. No, I understand. Well, this is delightful. I really enjoy talking to you, and um, hopefully one day I'll be able to say hello to you in person. But um, thank you yeah, for yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever in New York, uh, now I can FaceTime you anytime I just feel the urge, so that's good, or just call you. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, that's right. You can text me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me anytime, Adam. <laughs> well, listen, if you ever get a chance, and you're, I don't know if you listen to podcasts at all. I mean, I do a lot of other stuff, obviously, but the podcast is a real work of passion for me, and um, just because I get to talk to uh, wonderful people and have these connections and I consider you a wonderful person and uh, you know somebody who I've, I've always enjoyed watching that's why I wanted to try to make this happen but um, give it give the show a listen if you ever can uh, it's uh, I'll text yeah, you yeah I, I will I will for sure I mean uh, you have the phone there so you really have no excuse not to <laughs> anyway <laughs> I'll, I'll you know on a break or something like that when you're up there in, in uh, yeah. you said you're in Vancouver and I'll, I'll text you the uh, the link or whatever, so one day maybe you can give a that listen. That would be great. Good. All right. Well, I'll wait till I post the show. Why not? I may as well do it that way. Anyway, take care. Thank you again. I'll let you get back to it. And, um, you know, best of luck with everything. Thank you, Adam. Also to you, too. Thank I you. love that you're doing these podcasts. It's just terrific for everybody. Well, thank you very much. All right. All right. We'll do it again thank soon. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, uh, Luis. Hi. I like to cross my comfort threshold at least twice a day. And now I have. She's so different than all your other friends. She's an artist, a free spirit. I don't want to lose you. You won't. You promise? I already did, Joe. Remember? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do now? Rosie, we row. Who knows where we might end up? Thank you, everybody. We'll be back. We got a few surprises coming up on the podcast. I always say that. And they generally have been working out. So I don't want to jinx myself by making an announcement of a major person who I've been wanting on the show since I started it. But anyway, on the next episodes, we have a couple of interesting things. Uh, We have my ex-wife, Karen Pittman, who is in a a film version of a play she starred in last year called Pipeline. Uh, We're going to talk about that film. And she's going to be coming up. And also the noted author of such books as Easy Rider, Raging Bull, and... Down and Dirty Pictures, as well as the Warren Beatty biography Star, we have on Peter Biskind, who discusses his latest book, which is called The Sky is Falling. And we have on, coming up, Amos Poe back on the show, as well as Film Wax radio friend Megan Griffiths with a new film she made uh, earlier this year. Came I saw it at South by Southwest called Sadie, and she'll be on an upcoming episode, as well as Giancarlo Esposito. And the cast of Relaxer, the casting, I guess, director, Joel Petrikas, back for his third or fourth visit. I just found out I may be getting Frederick Wiseman back on the show, so I'll drop that. That's not official. It should probably work out, but it's not confirmed yet. But I feel like eh, I could could say it at least. Frederick Wiseman, my oldest recurring guest, I might add, most venerable and recurring guest. Is that okay to say? I think it is. Anyway, please do continue to to, uh, tune into the show. Please subscribe. Go to iTunes or Stitcher if you don't have an iPhone uh, or bitten into the Apple. Please do subscribe and leave us ratings, star ratings and reviews on either of those platforms. Again, iTunes or Stitcher. 
And subscribe to our feeds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as being uh, a very, very ubiquitous on YouTube now. We have a, all of a, a backlog of hundreds of, of segments from conversations going back, lots of playlists, all on our YouTube page. Check it out. Follow, subscribe, like. Until next time, we'll be back in just, just a few days with a new episode. Till then, take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Broken spring, broken idols, broken heads.